You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Michigan is now a few weeks into reopening large parts of our economy, and some early signs have pointed to the state being one of the few on track to contain the spread of COVID-19. But we're now seeing some troubling signs. An outbreak of COVID infections has been traced to a single bar in East Lansing, which is now linked to cases here in Metro Detroit. And now Governor Gretchen Whitmer says she's been forced to delay moving Michigan into the next phase of reopening because of concerns about new cases in some areas of the state. Here to talk about the latest state response to the pandemic is Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Governor, welcome back to Detroit Today. Always good to be with you, Stephen. Yeah. So uh, you have this six-stage plan for reopening Michigan, and right now we're in stage four, so more than halfway there. But you say you have wanted to move most of the state into stage five as of last week, but we're not in a position to do that. Explain why. Well, I think it's really important that as we are reengaging, we're very thoughtful, and we're watching the numbers, and we're seeking out the context. You know, when our numbers of positive cases increase, it's really important that we have that public health overlay about context. So if we have 100 cases that show up in a county, if we know that they all came from one uh, employment, you know, one, one place of employment or one bar, and we can isolate those folks, then we can continue to say that we've got the virus contained. But if it's randomized and there's no pattern there, then that is what exponential community spread looks like. And that's why the numbers are really important, hospitalizations, percentage of positive cases, but the context is really important. And that's why if your public health department calls you, answer the phone, because we're trying to make sure that we're informing people if they've been exposed, that that they get tested, and that if necessary, they isolate. And that's how we can contain the spread. and, And that's why all of these pieces are really important as we determine when it's safe, uh, when risk is mitigated, that we can take that next step. And, and you're still using public health statistics and data points as your, your main guide here. I mean, it's, it, it, I know you've got to be concerned about the economy, but uh, throughout this, you really have pointed to public health and public health imperatives as the way that uh, you're making decisions. Is that still true? Absolutely. So Dr. Caldoun and I work very closely with the Department of Health and Human Services, our local public health department, uh, the University of Michigan School of Public Health. Uh, Each of, you know, these experts are really important to us, understanding what the data means and understanding the public health overlay so that we are smart about when we think it is safe to take this next step. So public health centers, all of the work that we're doing. Um, You have received a lot of criticism from Republicans and some others, in fact, about handling of coronavirus cases in nursing homes here in Michigan. You told a U.S. House committee that you're not going to cooperate with their probe into how Michigan and other states have handled that. Talk about why you're not cooperating and talk about why you permitted housing COVID patients inside nursing homes. Sure. So the letter that we got from five uh, Republican congressmen was sent to, or I'm sorry, it was more than that, but it was sent to five Democratic governors, implying that our nursing home activities 
were unique um, and and uniquely harmful. It was it's completely partisan, and I don't have time to play partisan games. Nursing home policy is really important, and I will always share the data and the decision making around nursing homes because. We've learned a tremendous amount in the last three months. It's tragic what the United States, um, you know, has, has confronted when it comes to nursing home deaths. And yet what's happened in Michigan is um, no different than any other state. We've always followed the CDC guidelines. We've never required a nursing home to take a COVID-19 uh, patient. We've never required that, despite, I think, what what some people are implying and what the coverage has been. We have followed the CDC guidelines. We have um, a 30, it's about 33% of our nursing, of our deaths have been from in nursing homes. And that's tragic. There's no question, but it's a lot smaller than, than many other States. And that's why I think that these partisan games are, are just, um, I think hurting the public trust in, in, all of the conversation around public health and and that's something that might be more damaging than the lack of preparedness around ppe at the front end and that's why i'm not going to participate in political games i'm so focused on trying to make sure we get this right and as we go into the fall we've got the smartest policies around to keep people safe so so as you say about a third of the deaths here in michigan were in nursing homes. And as you say, you were following CDC guidelines in terms of who should have been there. But is there is there an accountability that should follow that for government? I mean, that's a, a government decision that results in, uh, in death of, of citizens here in Michigan. We've seen that before, and there have been calls for government to be accountable when that happens. What What should that look like in this case? I think accountability is is absolutely important, and we are um, eager to share all of the data and decision making um, with with anyone who legitimately wants to to understand it and to to under you know have those those questions answered. I think that the partisanship coming out of Congress though is really unfortunate. These were letters that were sent to five Democratic governors in um, you know battleground states and in large part. Uh, they didn't send a letter to Florida, which has been fudging their numbers and has now have uh, exponential growth that is unchecked. They didn't send it to Texas, which is in the same boat. And I think that's why, um, uh, you know, it was important that we've done the work to make sure that we um, are completely candid and thoughtful about decisions that were made, that we can show the data and why why they were made every step of the way, and, and happy to do so, because I do think accountability is important, as is transparency. Do you, do you wish you might have made a different decision or a different set of decisions about well, nursing I, homes? Well, I think it's important for us to recognize, you know, this is this is still a novel virus. Um, this is a virus for which there's no cure, there's no vaccine. Uh, we've learned a tremendous amount in the last three months, and we will learn a tremendous amount in the next three months. Every country in the world is studying this and, and trying to, you know, divine lessons from it that w- will benefit humanity. Um, at every step of the way, we've made decisions with the best information that was available. But if I could go back in a time machine with the knowledge we have today, hmm. back three months ago, we're some decisions be differently? Yeah. 
Um, but the fact of the matter is we've got some of the best minds in medicine here in Michigan. That's who we've been talking to and listening to every step of the way. And I think um, that's what we should be insisting on, on all leaders, um, that, they, that they understand the science, that they listen to the smartest people, and that they communicate directly with, with the people that they govern. And that's why this whole conversation around masks is, um, is so dangerous, because to make it political really threatens people's lives. And that's why it's so important that anyone with a platform encourage people to do what we know works to protect themselves. And that's mask wearing and hand washing and social distancing. Hmm. Uh, in April, uh, after photos emerged of what looked like dead bodies piled up in a storage room at Detroit Sinai Grace here in the city, you told reporters the state would investigate improper body storage there. But the Department of Licensing and Regulatory Affairs has since said it doesn't have jurisdiction to investigate those issues, and your office and Sinai Grace have both told WDET an investigation hasn't happened. Do you intend to make sure that the state investigates those issues here at Sinai Grace? I do think it's important that we all understand what happened there. I know that the pictures were alarming. I also know that at that time we had such exponential growth in uh, COVID cases and the handling of the safe handling of deceased um, people was something that uh, was an unknown. But I, I do think that um, it's important that we we all have a full understanding. And so I, I will follow up on that. Also, I wonder about the the six stage reopening and the numbers that we're starting to see now that we're a few weeks into it, uh, is it possible that we'll have to go back instead of forward on on this on this scale? In other words, uh, if we get a, a surge of cases or if it seems as though uh, people's practices aren't keeping up with the things that we know will reduce the spread of, of the disease, um, this, this, this news out of this bar in East Lansing, I think, has a lot of people really spooked. It's got a lot of people in communities now here in southeast Michigan spooked because some of the some of the people who were at that bar lived here and now they've brought cases back. I guess what's the tipping point for you where you have to maybe say we can't keep going forward, but maybe we got to go back to more restrictive policies? Yeah, so from day one, I have talked about that this re-engagement is going to look like a dial, not a switch. And that means we'll dial it up when we think it's safe to take that next step, and we might have to dial it back if we feel like that's necessary to keep people safe. Um, this this bar in East Lansing, sadly, was one that I highlighted in my last press conference as something that I was concerned about because people were posting pictures online where people were not social distancing, um, where they were, you know, unmasked, where they were crowded and inside. And knowing this place, I assumed that the music was pretty loud and people were raising their voices to, to hear one another. That is the prime condition for the spread of COVID-19. Um, and, and of course, that's what we've seen happen. And I think it's really important that we stay focused on the numbers, that we remember the context matters a great deal, and that's why the public health apparatus is so important. And that's why um, if you get a call from your local Department of Public Health, answer the phone, because they might be calling to tell you that you've had exposure and that you need to get tested. 
um, this is something that is a critical component to containment. If these 70 cases that we now know came from this bar are in, in, you know, have been to 70 different workplaces uh, and maybe stores and uh, hosted a house party, you know, in Gross Point, like apparently um, that one of the articles I read this weekend said, then there are a lot more people that have been exposed. And that's why containment on the public health side is so important. I don't want to move back. But we see other states doing that when, when the numbers get out of control. And that's why we really have to make sure everyone continues to do their part. The virus hasn't changed. We've learned how to live with it. So let's continue the, to keep those lessons front and center. Wear your mask. Remember, you're always safer at home. If you are out and about, try to stay six feet apart. Keep that mask on and wash your hands. So a slightly different subject. Um, we have seen these massive demonstrations against police brutality and systemic racism uh, across the country and, of course, here in Michigan. And in this state, we've seen a number of local governments make uh, a declaration that structural racism is a public health crisis here in, in Michigan. Um, the state of Michigan hasn't made that declaration, and I wonder if you can talk about why and whether that's something you're thinking about. Yeah, so I, I, I'm encouraged by what we see happening across the state and across the country and, frankly, around the world. People are, are um, outraged, and it's, this is a, a long time in coming, let's be honest. I remember very vividly a conversation with a doctor in Flint um, many years ago after the, you know, right at the height of the water crisis. I went to Flint and wanted to understand. I sat at Hurley and spoke with some of the people on the front line. And he made a comment about how um, you know, the chronic stress of being black in America is a health crisis. And uh, because of the, the inherent racism. And I thought that, you know, th that's something that I've reflected on many times since then. We know that um, even, you know, people that are, are more affluent, but who are African-American have higher rates of, of you know, um, problems in the birth of a child, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, this is something that permeates the health of of the African-American community. And I think that it is something that we are having that conversation in state government, what that, what that looks like and what a, a declaration of that effect would mean. Um, I am most focused on actions that we can take, whether it's unilaterally or trying to get the legislature to come along to um, remedy a lot of these historic disparate um, you know, realities. And, and I think that we all should be thinking that on, on all fronts. What can we do individually? What can we do collectively? And how do we translate this moment into action that is meaningful? So what does that action look like? I think that's one of the things that's on lots of people's minds right now is beyond demonstration. What, yep. what can we do? Well, you know, first of all, we know that, um, We've got, in Michigan, we were one of the first states to recognize the disparate impact on communities of color with COVID-19. And so we created the public health, uh, the task force around racial disparities that is chaired by the lieutenant governor. We also um, have expanded the work that they're doing to encompass a lot of the systemic um, issues that we're confronting. And they are uh, promulgating a plan. 
Uh, we've done some things unilaterally in state government in my tenure as governor, but this is more of a forward-looking plan that is about many um, other aspects of life than just COVID-19. And so where um, the plan calls for actions we can take unilaterally, like things that we've done with the state police and MCOLs, the commission that oversees law enforcement around training, around bias and de-escalation, we're doing those things. But where we need legislation or we need, um, you know, a, a, a different mechanism, we're going to continue to move forward and tackle it. Okay, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, always great to talk with you here on the show. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Stephen. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll hear from Senator Debbie Stabenow about her efforts to make more federal money available for school districts to reopen safely in the fall, and about policing reforms making their way through Congress. Stay with us for more Detroit Today. Detroit Today. 